you. Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, this feels a little weird. I feel like I'm like moving back home or something after college. You're talking about being back in Studio Shangri-La? Yes. Is that what you're saying right it's, it's now? It's been a Studio couple weeks. Muse, you know, it has been. feels like we've been gone forever. No doubt about it. It's just a couple of weeks, that's all it takes, yeah. and suddenly you're out of sorts a little bit right here, aren't you? It, it sort of felt like they were trying to tell us something, didn't it? It was like, oh yeah, you guys, uh, you keep doing a show over there. Don't, don't come back into the studio. Yeah, no, I, I, I never got that vibe. No. Interesting you did. Right there, right? Maybe that's because they told you're me You're out there on an island yeah, they were like, by yourself. They, actually, they sent me back out to Glendale today, but there was no uh, there's no practice going on out there. How's everything? Did you get a haircut after all that yesterday? As a matter of fact, I Look did. Yes, I, I chopped it down right there. Seriously, of course, we've got the television broadcast that we're doing tomorrow night. Dave Pash. Look, everybody, it's Dave Pash. By the way, Dave Pash is 50 years old today. Happy birthday to Dave Pash. Sure David Il Bahadol. Excited that you brought that up the on the air. The bird, as a matter of fact. I think he's struggling with it. I think Dave Pash is kind of struggling with the fact that he's a big 5-0 right now. If he's struggling with it, definitely bring it up on the air for the entire city to hear. Here's the one thing I'll tell you, Basinonians. Here's a couple of things that happen to you when you turn 50, okay? I'm not even talking 60 here. I'm talking about when you turn 50. You lose hair where you want hair, okay? that you Never forget that. You turn 50, you start losing hair where you want hair, and you start growing hair where you don't want hair. Does that make sense? It's, it's it's horrible. That and the fact that you get cray paper arms. You know, you've got the arms and the skin gets a little cray paper. You did like. say, to be fair, in the pre-show meeting, <laughs> that things might get a little wacky today. Well, of course, I'm ready to go, man. Yeah. Let's go. Here you're, we go. You're literally Dude. ready to go. Wolf is man. leaving for Cincinnati at some point during the We're show today. We're to Cincinnati. And uh, Lorenzo Alexander is going to join us at some, actually not very uh, long from now. Zoe so will be here in about an hour or so. Uh, Wolf, <laughs> we are going to start with basketball and um, just the story on We're on SNY. to Cincinnati, yeah. Luke. You're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm on to Cincinnati. SNY t- TV. They are a reputable site. I used to use them a lot when we were covering college basketball for uh, ESPN. They have How a story. They have... <laughs> we're on to Cincinnati. That's right. There we Thank go. Thank you, Bill. All right. Um... They have a story up on Kevin Durant, and there's a couple things that really stand out in it. One, it's the second line of the story, Wolf, and it really kind of made me feel hurt. It says, uh, Durant sees Boston as a desired landing spot per people familiar with the matter. Now, hold on. I thought Phoenix was the desired landing spot. Didn't we just put ourselves through all this for the last month and a half because we thought we were the place that Kevin Durant wanted to go? Yeah. I feel like I've been leveraged a little bit. You know you know how I feel about this. I've been talking about it for the last 48 hours right now. Um, intellectually, I understand the fact that Kevin Durant makes the Phoenix Suns a favorite in a lot of people's eyes. A lot of the basketball universe will look at the Phoenix Suns and say, oh, with Kevin Durant now, now it's Kevin Durant and it's Devin Booker and it's Chris Paul. And, oh, boy, they're the favorites to actually win now. You know what? There's no guarantee that that is true intellectually. 
I understand that he makes them better. Yet emotionally right now, I have moved on from Kevin Durant, and I've been talking about it for the last 48 hours. Well, let me let me say this then, and, and I'm not to the point where it's like, hey, if, if, if the Sun somehow pulled off a trade for Durant today, that I'd be like, oh, I don't want him anymore. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But this has been growing for a little bit, and partially it's because you've brought it up a few times, and I think, I think there is more Suns fans that feel this way than people may realize on, on the first uh, take. So if you're telling me the Suns can trade for Kevin Durant, I still think you have to do it. And I don't think they're out of it. But I'm starting to feel a whole lot less confident that's going to happen. And the biggest thing, Wolf, honestly, and we have said this on this show, but I'm, I'm feeling it more now. How many times have you said KD or back? Yeah. The back, the running it back is not a bad alternative. It no. really isn't. And I know this is this is like the stage that you would go through when you find out, oh, we can't get Kevin Durant. Well, what we have isn't so bad. Uh, what we have won 64 games last year and went to the NBA Finals the year before. If Toronto get, can't get Kevin Durant, what they have is a really good second-year player and some pieces. The Suns still have a title contender. And to your point... You don't have a circus following Mikel Bridges around. No, you do not. And, you know, honestly, I think of the impact. I think of the impact on a lot of the guys. Um, Listen, this is a mercenary league. Never forget that. And the moment you do as a professional athlete is the moment you're in big trouble. Never forget. It's a mercenary league. Yet at the same time, these are human beings that play these games. Isn't that right, Mikel Bridges? Do you really want Mikel Bridges? How do you think it makes Macal Bridges feel when he's kind of up in the air in regard to whether or not he's here or he's not here and you know he definitely is going to be part of the trade package if in fact they go after Kevin Durant by the way um, how, how do my teammates feel about that uh, Devin can I talk to you for a minute um, Chris can I see you over here for you know what I'm sure they're talking to him there's no doubt about it they, they love Macal yeah. and what kind of advice are they giving him? I don't know, but I do know this. It's a massive distraction for a young guy that is still developing in the NBA. Well, and that's I'm looking for things that I feel certain about in this situation because it is so weird. We like the team the Suns have. How many times have I said it on this show? They had the worst week at the worst Um, time. Love the team they have. That's from my perspective. And so this this is the one thing I know for sure. If you if if Kevin Durant's going somewhere else, it would really benefit the Suns if that happened soon. You know what I mean? Like I I am of the belief, and I've kind of been of this belief since the DeAndre Ayton stuff happened, that that offer sheet really kind of killed their chance at giving getting Kevin Durant. Uh, I shouldn't say killed it, hurt their chances. It didn't it didn't take them out of the running. But I mean, even before they got that offer sheet, how many times do we talk about like the one thing you don't want is an offer sheet uh, for DA if you want Kevin Durant because it puts you to the ultimate decision. Um, if, if to me, I feel like the, the only way the Suns can still get KD is during the season. If he's not coming here, I'd rather he just went somewhere else quickly because of what you just said. I'd like the Suns and the players and the people, like the actual human beings on that team, to know that they are going to be a team all season when the season starts. Yeah, and again, how does that stunt the development? I have no idea, but I can tell you, again, you'd be distracted if you were in that situation right there. I I would like to see some type of validation coming out. Um, James Jones is a guy that, again, is a player that happens to be a general manager. He thinks like a player, so I think he he probably isn't as concerned 
as some general managers might be, just knowing that, hey, listen, this is what you got to deal with. As a pro, as a professional athlete, you always have to deal with the fact that you could be gone. You could be traded. You could be out of here. Change is coming. You're going to change teams. Isn't that right, Jay Crowder? It's going to happen. But, man, when you got young guys that are developing, and, man, I like the way that Cam Johnson is developing. I love the way. Just think of Mikal Bridges last year and how much he grew as a player last year alone. We talked on the show a lot last year about how we didn't want this team to break up until a couple years from now when it inevitably had to a little bit when Chris Paul retired. I I have no problem going back to that place if we have to. I don't think the Suns are out of this. And whatever happens, even if he ends up on Boston or wherever, I do think they were very much involved in it. I really do. I believe that. But the other thing from the story, Wolf, the next line talks about how Durant said he'd like to play alongside Marcus Smart if he's traded to the Celtics. So it already is like, hey, hey, KD, remember us over here in Phoenix? Yeah. But the one that really Forget hurts it. is Philadelphia is is potentially a place he would like to play alongside James Harden, which, yes, that seems kind of strange at first glance because of how things went down in Brooklyn. But remember, they have history back in Oklahoma City. And this little tidbit, Wolf, that Harden and Durant were together in London not that long ago. Okay. Everything's going down in London. Everything is going down. It is, what is going on in London? Um, okay, so James Harden wasn't the problem in Brooklyn. He apparently. might be the problem now. <laughs> he might be the problem now. He was not. So who was the problem? Oh, Kyrie. Um, oh, again? That's Kyrie? A real stunner, again? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they if they pulled off See, a deal? You know what? Honestly, let me just say this quickly. Kyrie Irving is the warning to us all. This is one of the most talented human beings on the face of the planet who was playing for a, uh, you talk about a legendary franchise in the Boston Celtics. Got his, got his butt out of there. Um, Why? You know what? There are guys like this. Wherever they go, man, wherever they go, they cause problems. They have problems. I don't know. I'm, I'm just... Honestly, I run it back. Give me the Suns. Run it back. Give me Kemba Walker. And I'll tell you right now, run it back with that team. I'm good to go. Kemba's interesting. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But wouldn't it be hilarious if they forced this trade to Philadelphia and Joel Embiid's like, I don't want to play with KD. <laughs> like, how many players are going to say that? Not many. But if one was going to, it would be Joel Embiid, wouldn't it? <laughs> Embiid's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. This is my team. This is not James Harden and Kevin Durant's team. Uh, look. Look, it's not done. The chances of the Suns getting him or not are not just eliminated by any means. But you start to see these other teams, and the key is KD apparently saying he would like to play for these other teams, which was something that we didn't know before definitively. And some of these other teams can potentially offer more. Although we'll get back into the Philadelphia stuff in a little bit. This this thought that like, well, you know, they have they have these players, they have Matisse Tybel and Tyrese Maxey. That's so much better than Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. I don't buy that. Those two are good players. But Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are good, too. I feel like people nationally are just like, well, the Suns lost in the second round, so all of a sudden none of them are good anymore. All right, we come back. We'll tell you what we are looking for in the Cardinals' first preseason game before Wolf gets on a plane and flies to that first preseason game. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. 
out there for the last week and a half, although Wolf now, I'm readjusting to the studio because also, I, I forgot, like, there was a lot of changes to the studio right before we left, remember? All the, no, like, the boards and I everything. don't remember that. <laughs> no, it, okay, now it is there. Yes. It's rushing over me once again. Yes, I do remember it. Yeah, good. As a you lot of change board, going on. Uh, yeah. Exactly. This board is so weird. You're so weird. You're so weird. It just, yeah, I, I get it. What's your point? Let though? me let me just bring you back to, to center, okay? Okay, yes. All right. Um, Cardinals. Can you tell I'm jacked up just a little yeah. bit? Well, I mean, look, right now? all these things. Okay, we put Wolf in a new environment, and then we're going to ship him out of here in less than two hours to Cincinnati for the first preseason game of the we're year. We're on to Cincinnati. So what are you going to be looking for in that first preseason <sighs> game of the year? Okay, here's the whole thing, Basin Onions. When you, when you watch a team, an NFL team, play in preseason, you really can't look at it from a team perspective, can you? You, you just can't. Stop it. There's, you've got guys out on the field who don't want to be out in the field when they ultimately start playing. And there's only going to be what, like four or five Nets. guys. <laughs> there's going to be four. You, know, you had to come back to I Brooklyn to, right now. Once, yeah. Four or five guys that I think are going to be starters for the Arizona Cardinals that will actually play tomorrow night. But you can never look at it from the team perspective because you have guys out on the field who don't want to be out on the field. I'm talking about guys like, oh, I don't know. Veterans that are grizzled who've been in the league and they're starters, they do not want to be out on the field. And then you got a bunch of guys out on the field that aren't going to be on the field, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay? So you got guys who aren't going to be here, and you got guys that don't want to be out on the field playing. And you have Will Hernandez. So you can't look at it, you can't look at it from a team perspective. You can start picking out individuals, though, in individual performances. And Will Hernandez is where I'm going to start. I don't care if he gets five reps. Okay? I don't care if he gets five reps. I want to watch Will Hernandez. And I'll guarantee you, whoever he runs into, somebody's going to hit the ground. (laughs) Might be Will, but somebody's going to hit the ground. Because he's going to try to bury him. And Will Hernandez is a guy we're all waiting for. There's no doubt about that. But I think there are some other guys, Luke, on the roster, guys that are going to get more than five reps, guys that are going to get like 20 and 25 reps that are a lot more interesting as to what's going to happen in regard to tomorrow night. And just to be clear, you're not talking about Bengals' fourth-string quarterback, Drew Plitt. No, okay. I am not, as a matter of fact. That is, what's his name? Drew Plitt. 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 Oh, my goodness. At some point in time, I'm changing that. What's your point? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who these guys on the Cardinals are going to be going up against. Like, who is Zayvon? Zayvon Collins isn't going to be facing Joe Burrow tomorrow. It's yes. going to be Brandon Allen or Jake Browning or Drew Plitt. Can I Can I tell you, it's interesting to up a quarterback, Drew Plitt. I've never heard of him. Where where is he from? Uh, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. Don't Pittsburgh. Okay. <laughs> Don't all get that was good. Ball State. Trace McSorley. Yes. Have you heard of Trace McSorley? I have heard of Trace McSorley. You know what? Honestly, I I think I like what I'm seeing from Trace McSorley. I do. He's a much better athlete, a much better runner of the football than I gave him credit for. And and why I didn't understand that, especially coming from the Baltimore Ravens, where they've institutionalized 
the dual threat quarterback into their organization. Um, I'm I'm a little um, peeved at myself for not noticing that McSorley is a much better athlete. I'm interested to see what Trace McSorley does. He's going to probably play a half. And I cannot wait to see him because he's made some really, really good throws in practice so far. But it's been practice, man. That was the end of your thought. That was it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll uh, be Trace happy. McSorley is one of them. Uh, okay. So McSorley is certainly one to watch. I mean, we've talked. You know, Benjamin is is you know Benjamin honestly and Daryl Williams. So that's the second part of this. How much do you think Daryl Williams is going to play tomorrow? For Eno, it's not very a lot. clear. Okay, but if he's not going to play a lot. Like, if I'm Daryl Williams, if there really is a competition for the second spot, I want to play a little. I don't want to just sit there and watch Eno Benjamin gain on me. Or is this something, because of the nature of that position, and because we're not talking about the starter, we already know James Conner's the main guy, and because you have different running styles between Eno Benjamin and James Conner, and like we said yesterday, Daryl Williams is kind of like the bridge between the two of them, is is the role going to be carved out more based on that than what these guys do in training camp in the preseason? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's going to be something you're going to have to evolve into. They know Daryl Williams can play. They already know he can play. They're looking for guys. Uh, Eno Benjamin, how, how much better did you get, Eno? Well, we're going to go out there and we're going to see what you do when you put the silks on and the lights come on. That, to me, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I, Eno Benjamin, to me, is going to be here. He's going to be here. Daryl Williams is going to be here. All right, Keontae Ingram, then? Keontae Ingram. Ingram. See, now all of a sudden, Keontae Ingram is going to get an awful lot of reps, Ron Wolfley of suggesting, (laughs) I guess. I think he's going to get a lot of reps, and I can't wait to see this young guy play, because he's flashed a little bit. And now all of a sudden, when you're going to play him in a preseason game, you also have to consider how much you're playing him if, in fact, he looks good. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's a lot to balance. There. Because now all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, man, you're, you're a six-round big and you know, you're know you out there and you're Keontae Ingram and, and man, you look real good and, and are we going to want to showcase you? Because you're probably going to be on the practice squad right now. Well, so you've but got you to gotta get there. That. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, if, if Keont, so who are you going to play at running back? It's going to be a lot of Eno this uh, this these next three games because you're right with Ingram specifically. If they're going to only keep four running backs and Jonathan Ward, we don't know for sure Jonathan Ward is one of them, but he's obviously carved out a role on this team in the past because of his special teams play. Let's say they go James Conner, Daryl Williams, Eno Benjamin, and then it's Jonathan Ward or Keontae Ingram. Mm. I'm with you. You just drafted Ingram. He was pretty. good good in college, you can never have too many running backs, except you can't keep that many running backs, so you'd like like to ship him to the practice squad, potentially. We're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. But if he goes out there and tears it up in the preseason... You can't get him to the practice squad because somebody else is going to take him. Somebody might do that, especially, too, once again, um, running backs, as we all know, the devalue of the position, at least when it comes to the football universe and some of the brains that are out there right now. There are others that do value running backs still, but there has been a devaluation of the position overall. And yet at the same time, Keontae Ingram is right in that sweet spot 
spot, right in that fifth round, sixth round, seventh round sweet spot for a lot of running backs that are playing in the National Football League. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I'm looking at the depth chart for tomorrow's game. Ingram's fourth on it. Daryl Williams is second. It goes Eno, Williams, Jonathan Ward, Keontae Ingram. And then James Conner is one, two, three, four, five, and then he's down one. So okay, so six. give me that once again. The the Cincinnati Bengals depth chart for running backs are? For the Cardinals, it's Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams, Jonathan Ward, and then Keontae Ingram and Ronnie Rivers, and then TJ Pledger, and then just barely still on the team, Wolf, James Conner. James Conner right there. Boy, Keontae, are you going to get any reps? Are you gonna, maybe they already know about him. Maybe they already like maybe. him. Hey, Keontae, come here for <laughs> minute. Um, guess what? We're not going to play you. You have no chance. You, you are not going to play because we already think you're going to be a guy that could be on this team next year. <laughs> okay? So we're not going to play. It's kind of a cruel It's a, cruel it's a weird spot, yeah. But once again, um, it in the long term, it bodes well for Keontae. I would assume we're going to see him a little bit because you have to see what your rookie running back can do. You didn't take him with like the fourth overall pick. You took him in the sixth round. Alright, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. If you are in that group that feels like NILs and the transfer portal are just destroying college football. One former ASU quarterback agrees with you, and we'll hear from him next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And you realize, like, uh, I got to get rid of this quickly, so I bite into it, and so you can just like get it out of your mouth, so you can talk on the air. Let's say, um, yeah, that went badly for me right there. I can see through time. I, I bit into the wrong mint. You did, yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. You hear me right now? This is so interesting. No. Okay, there but we that go. Might Once just be the again, mint. Uh, there's a ghost in the machine. Uh, the poltergeist is alive and well here in Studio Shangri La. Now, what were you? You were you were exploding some mint or something <laughs> like that? Give me that, that look like going what is Luke just yammering Honestly, about? My mic was on. Uh, I just You may have to carry this segment because I can barely speak right now. All right. Brock Osweiler was on with uh, Bickley and Murata this morning. And I want to start here talking about NILs. And just to reset our stance on this show, you and I share a very similar stance on this one, I believe. For me, I don't have a problem with players getting paid. When you're playing payer, paying players a million dollars and there is is a transfer portal where guys can just leave if they get their feelings hurt or they can get more money the next year somewhere else. Well, you have a problem. It's an outrage. There's free agency in college football, and there should not be. And as we learned yesterday, it's not like the NCAA is is so preoccupied putting their effort into actually moving the investigation with ASU along so it doesn't Please. take a half a decade. They could focus on the NIL stuff. Is anybody working for the NCAA? Anybody? <laughs> I think we're right, actually. I think we stumbled on it yesterday. There's one person working for the NCAA running the whole thing. We got 13 dudes in a boardroom, and that's it. I mean, They're what all are you doing? Uh, Brock Osweiler, like I said, on with Bickley and Murata today, said, yeah, the NIL is not great. In regards to NIL, um, I'm personally not a fan of it. Um, I think it's it's changing the game for the worse. And so I'm really hoping, hoping 
you know, that there can be a, a governing body or something that somewhat puts parameters around what NIL can be. Now, they didn't just have Brock on because he used to play for ASU. He's got a new gig with uh, Colin College Football this year. I think yes. he said his first game. When we, the first game he's going to get is the NC State game. I don't remember who they're playing, but that's his first game coming up this sure. season. So, I mean, he's obviously excited about college football. He had a pretty good college football career, but not afraid to point out, this is a mistake, what they're doing right now. Where do you begin on this one, honestly? Can you, anybody out there listening see anything wrong with an 18-year-old getting a million dollars or somewhere? In that? I mean, do you see any problems on the horizon for that once again? We've talked about it many, many times. Hopefully, you see the fallacy of that. And once again, the NIL thing, I want to pay kids a stipend. I do. I want to pay them cash stipend where they get three grand a month. And it's it's the same. It's uniform from one school to the next. And I want that to be a situation where that's for that's for uh, female sports as well as male sports, whatever it may be. Women's sports, men's sports, it really doesn't matter. Everybody's got to be paid a stipend. It's still, in a lot of ways, the same time commitment, you know, give or take. Different sports, I understand, take a little bit of a different time commitment. But the whole point is, if you're a student athlete, you probably don't have a whole lot of money in general because you're already going to college um, and you're 18 or 19. And so you're not going to have a whole lot of time to work if you're also going to football practice twice a day or whatever. Yes, exactly. And a lot of these kids, too, once again, um, like myself. You know what? I came from a very, very humble beginning with humble, humble parents that didn't make a lot of money. And guess what? Um, I never had cash in my hand walking around the university, right? It would have been nice to actually have a little spending money. No doubt about that. And yes, you can get in trouble with that as well. But this is a way to move forward. It really is in terms of the stipend. And I think I think at some point in time, it's going to go back to that. I do. I think it's going to go back to a stipend. And you can, you can imagine the hue and cry that you're going to hear from a lot of people, especially lawyers about that. Well, you're always going to hear something from the lawyers. Uh, and also, I want to believe what you're saying, but as we are seeing yet again, the NCAA moves at whatever pace is slower than a glacial pace on anything. Here's more from Osweiler talking about the very scenario you're laying out right now. If you're going to pay an 18-year-old half a million dollars or a million dollars, what does that do to the whole coach-player dynamic? Some coaches are afraid to coach up their players at practice because if they get after that kid a little bit, which in the end they're doing that because they want to get that player better because they care about him, they're afraid that that kid's going to take offense to that and transfer the next day and go wherever the money is. Well, I wonder why, Wolf. Is it because every time that happens, the kid just transfers the next day? Yes. Yeah, that's where because we're headed. soft as butter. You, the internal motivation you always talk about is such an advantage right now. If you are 17, 18, 19, 20, it's such an advantage because the system, I don't I don't blame the, the student athlete. I blame the system that the NCAA is putting them in. It's basically saying you're more important than your coach. Yes. And you're getting paid more than yes. him. And even that, I think, would be not ideal but okay. But they've also added that caveat. And if you don't like your coach telling you to run harder, well, just go to this other school that will pay you more next week. Yeah. You know, honestly, it is. It's it's ridiculous. They're telling them to that do they're that. They're doing this right now and 
Brock brings up a great point. I, I, I didn't even think of that. I, I'm thinking of a kid who's 18 who's getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. What could go wrong with that? Right? That to me is the problem. I didn't even relate it to what it was like for a coach to actually coach some kid that came in and is going to make a million dollars or make hundreds of thousands of dollars where he actually makes more than what the coaches make. I I didn't even think about that perspective. I was just thinking more about, man, what could that do to a human being? What was I like when I was 18 years old? And if somebody would have said, here's (laughs) $500,000, what would I have done with that? Oh, let's see, bought a Trans Am like my brother did, and then, I don't know, do 120 and a 55 like I did? Yeah, that's what I would have done. Probably buy a couple Trans Ams for a million dollars. I'm just saying, you know, seriously, it just, that is such a great point from Brock that it really upends the chemistry in a locker room, in a coach's office. I don't know how you do it as a coach. I mean, if you're Nick Saban, if you're somebody that has been established and you're you're bigger than the program and you've got a history and a tradition, you've won titles, okay, you know, most of your incoming freshmen and sophomores are going to listen to you, right? But if you're a young coach, if you're just trying to break in, and, and you're trying to start your career, and, and and you've got a quarterback that's making four times as much as you do, and if you if you bother him, he can just go somewhere else because he's a four or a five star recruit. I don't know how you're supposed to coach him. Honestly, I, I would I would not let my son if my son if my son were were in a situation like that, I would not let him transfer. He doesn't like me. The coach go out there and ball out. Square your vision, please. It is how you Throw get your better. shoulders back. Life is not easy. It's hard. Fight. Metaphorically, st- stand and fight. It's one of the best lessons that sports don't can teach you. Run. I don't want to sound too much like Wolf, but it's very true. It's it's one of the best Man. lessons. I, you'd rather gets me angry. You'd rather your kid or yourself when you were a kid learn that lesson on the football field or the basketball court or whatever than like in real life, right? Wouldn't you rather learn that in sports where it's not really that bad and you can come back the next day and prove your coach wrong or whatever, as opposed to like actual real life stuff? And that's just going to go out the window. Right again, I don't I don't blame the student athletes. I blame the system that is basically telling them to feel that way. All right, we come back, back to the NFL preseason game tomorrow. We're going to see two quarterbacks for the Cardinals. Will either of them make the team? And how much do you want to see Kyler Murray play in the next couple weeks? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coming presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Wolf and Luke on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome to the fold, my brother. Adding gasoline to the fire. (laughs) A day before the first preseason game. There are preseason games tonight. Yeah, man. You smear on the eye black, baby, and you stick that mouth guard in and you start chewing on that thing because it's tunnel time. It's go time. I got to ask you this because this um, this, this came up the other day. That felt good, didn't it? I have, uh, well, I I think we all know a lot of people that that, that like to bet on some of the games, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. I know somebody who wants to bet on 
Ravens. Who are the Ravens? I think they're playing the Titans tonight. Ravens, Titans. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's, that's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, but okay, betting For on a, a preseason, preseason game, game. Yeah. But betting on a preseason game. Okay, what are you going to bet on, though? You can bet on a lot of stuff. It's not just the outcome. Right? They want to bet on the, the win because Baltimore has won 20 preseason <laughs> games in a row. <laughs> How do you win 20 preseason games in a row? Um, I don't know. You care about preseason games? That's got to be it, right? I, they I'm care and nobody else does? They have to. Yeah, that's just the culture there. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, you look at Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches, I think, in the game of football, period. One of the best guys. I don't yes. care if it's college football, pro football, whatever it may be. I think John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches on the face of the planet when it comes to playing the blood sport. And they play it the right way as far as I'm concerned. Line up and... Yeah, there it is. What are you going to do about it? So here, this is Trace McSorley who's going to start tomorrow's game. Originally, Colt McCoy was obviously number one on the uh, the depth chart. He's got the arm soreness. So McSorley's going to start. And is it a big deal who wins this? This game, as far as the standings, absolutely not. It's a preseason game. It gets erased instantly. It's a pretty big deal for a guy like Trace McSorley, though. Anytime you get out, you get a chance to go on the field um, and show what you can do and perform and play the game is a huge opportunity, so I'm definitely excited about that. Um, excited for a lot of guys on this team be able to go out. We've had a great camp so far. Just be able to go out and now put it on the field against another team and, and show what we can do, show what we've been working on. Look, I get it. you got to be a pretty hardcore football fan to get like fired up for a full preseason game. I understand yeah. it. Because we told you the guys who are, are probably going to start this season who are actually going to play tomorrow, and that's what Will Hernandez, um, Zaven Collins, Marco Wilson. I mean, a couple other guys will play. Antonio Hamilton, by the way, worth keeping an eye on because some people believe he might be moving up that depth There's chart. There's no doubt about it, man. Yeah, like, a lot of people the talking spot. about him. I've heard players talking about him. I've heard coaches talking about him. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Antonio Hamilton is a guy that is climbing up that depth chart. Uh, but for a guy like Trace McSorley, this is big, right? This is your chance to either try to make an impression on the Cardinals and stick here yep. as the third quarterback or make an impression on one of the other 31 teams. Yeah, it's really interesting because I was having a conversation with a guy that I respect a ton. Please don't tell him that. Is it Paul but I was, No, it was no, not. Okay. I was <laughs> talking to a guy, even though I do respect oh, okay. Paulie. All right. Huge, of course. Um, even though I'll rip him mercilessly. And but, have. But, and, and will in the future, of course. Um, but uh, a guy was talking to me about the fact that he felt like the Cardinals were only going to keep two quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. Now, again, that opens up a whole nother door of bringing some guys back on the practice squad and who you can have back on the practice squad. But um, I thought that was maybe Trace McSorley. Um, maybe he could make them change their mind on that because they kept three coming out of training camp last year. Remember that because of Strevler, the yeah. leveler, Chris Strevler, right? Uh, that's the greatest mystery in the history of, of Cardinals football to me right now. Is if they kept him, but then they didn't necessarily trust him to play quarterback if they had to go to him. If you were going to do that, then yes, you have experience of keeping three quarterbacks. And Trace McSorley, it's just been camp. It's just been a couple weeks. He has looked good. Yeah, no, he has. To me, I, he's he's really been impressive, base Onions, but you know, you it's not just watching him. It's not just watching him throw the ball or watching him go through his progression, watching him extend plays and use his legs to extend plays. It's also watching the coaches around him 
if you want to find out, if you want to truly find out if, in fact, you got a chance to make a football team in the National Football League, how many coaches say something to you after you make a mistake? How many times do coaches coach you? Because if, in fact, you have no chance of making a football team, they don't waste their breath. <laughs> There's a lot of don't. guys on the field, yeah. They don't. They don't waste their breath to, to go ahead and compliment you because they know the dude's going to be good. He ain't going to be around here. He's not going to play. It's like they Back to the they, Future where the guy starts to fade out of the photo. Is that what it's like? Yeah. That's what it is. They certainly don't yell at you. Why in the world am I going to get upset when this kid's going to be cut, gone? Um, they do that when they think they got a little something, something right there. And I watch Cliff King's around Trace McSorley. And that tells me, I think Cliff thinks he's got a little something-something. Here's more from McSorley talking about Kyler Murray, who's, of course, not going to be playing tomorrow. Oh, it's been great. You know, Kyler's one of the guys that he comes in, he's... uh almost like a perfectionist mentality, which is great to be around a guy like that because every rep, every team period, he's expecting to win. He's expecting to be successful. Um, And then he's holding everyone else to that standard. And I think that's one of the things that it makes us as quarterbacks better because we're all super competitive guys. And when the starter is one of the most competitive guys probably in the league, um, it just raises that level of competition even more. So, you know, everything we're doing from a net throw to, um, you know, just even warm-up throws, accuracy, however we're going about it and then when we get into games or sorry into practice and the team drills um, everything's a competition with us and that's he expects to win and he expects to be successful and he expects that to be for every guy on the entire roster and he calls the plays now too so if you're the third string quarterback you gotta listen to Kyler that again is another tactic I'm, I'm loving I am absolutely loving the fact that they're allowing Kyler Murray to stay engaged and actually call the plays for a lot of different reasons all the reasons we've discussed so far. But that's another thing that I'm going to look at and point to and say, you know what? Cliff Kingsbury is definitely growing as an NFL coach. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a new strategy. It's a, I think it's just an intelligent thing to keep Kyler Murray, like you said, engaged. Engaged in a different way. See the game a different way. Yep. Would you like to have him out there? Yeah, but also kind of like maybe they don't. I know they want to ramp him back up. I don't think Cliff cares if Kyler plays at all in the preseason. Yeah, really? I don't think I really he, don't. Not, he does it. I think no in a way. perfect world, he'd like to get him out there for a few. But I mean, yeah, nobody, nobody he doesn't really have plays. to. No, right? he doesn't have to. I remember Cliff was making fun of the preseason last year, yeah. especially when they got off to a great start. It was easier especially, at that point. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee. <laughs> here they are, the Tennessee Titans. And I remember that we were talking about it. I was a little nervous. I was. Hey, Kyler Murray's only had three pass attempts. You know, whatever it was. Hey, listen, can we get can we get our guys some reps here? You know, it's not like he, he's he's this 20-year veteran, Tom Brady. Can we get our guy a little action out there in the preseason? And, man, I he, he got, like, I, I think it was nine reps in the entire preseason that Kyler Murray was out there on the field. And we were all kind of, you know, it's like, well, how's this, how's this offense going to be? I remember Paul Calvisi. <laughs> how's this offense going to be with the Paul, See, the weird did, Paul voice Paul. right there? That. And, you know, uh, we all wondered that, didn't we? And yet, there it was, week one. I'm, I'm going mm, okay, back. Okay, that, that was a resounding, 
that was a resounding answer to all of the critique and the question that was out there about Kyler Murray in this offense not performing or playing a lot. This is um, this was Kyler Murray's first half of that first game after not performing in the preseason. Okay, okay. so if you recall, Chandler Jones had that monster game against the Titans. First drive, Cardinals field goal. Second drive, uh, Cardinals touchdown. Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, okay. then they had a punt. Then they had a touchdown. Uh, Kyler, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. On that, as a matter of fact, yeah. that first touchdown he extended that with his legs. Yes, uh, Hopkins second touchdown. This is all still in the first half of the first game, <laughs> and then uh, Kyler Murray two yard touchdown run before the end of that. Okay, there you go. So Kyler was pretty good. Is that what you're saying? Three the touchdowns in the oh, first oh. half of the first game after doing nothing in the okay, preseason. So D Hop was heavily involved in your little soliloquy. That's right true. There. Heavily involved in that. that so, that's a, it's an issue. Um, you know, once again, this is going to be this is going to be a huge question going forward. Um, not in preseason, ladies and gentlemen. It isn't, but in September, who's going to step up? What is this offense going to look like? What is it going to look like without D Hop? Yeah, that's going to be the first question for sure. Huge. All right, when we come back, hour number two of the show, we'll get back into the NBA and the news around Kevin Durant as that list of preferred teams is suddenly seemingly expanding. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.